0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Happy Friday. Okay, let's talk about the uh, roadblocks now in place to enforce the travel restrictions. And here is Staff Sergeant Janelle uh, Shohate. I'm probably, I'm mangling her name (laughs) from the RCMP. Here she is. The goal here is not to be putting out fines. Really, the goal is to encourage people to stay local. So that's what we're doing. We're asking people to turn around and return to their home base. If you, if a person would refuse to return around, they could be served with an emergency program act, fine
1: up to $575. Okay,
0: it sounds like most people are following the rules and, are, well, we had, and not being turned around because they're we, following the rules the beginning.
1: We had reporter John Wah uh, out at um, Highway 3 at, at Manning Park yesterday um last night uh, doing live hits and I didn't see a single vehicle go through behind him he had, the, he had the he had about eight cop cars behind him, RCMP cruisers but I didn't see a single car come through that area which and he said it was very light traffic. there's r- really not a lot of people on the road, which is great. I mean this is the whole point just discourage people from traveling unless it's essential.
0: okay Shirley Bond, the interim liberal leader is saying, Look, what about the Alberta border? And a lot of people bring this point up. We've discussed this earlier on the show. Why are we stopping people traveling to their cabin or go camping or something when there's people traveling across the border? Here's the Liberal leader.
1: Well, I don't think it's unreasonable, and people have certainly been raising this with us, that if you are traveling from Alberta to British Columbia, that there may well be questions asked.
0: Okay, your thoughts on that? Uh, Easier said than done.
1: The roadblocks that are on right now are from E-Division, which is a massive police department in uh, Vancouver. There's a lot of officers to deploy there. The RCMP detachments uh, along the border are very, very small and very short-staffed, and I'm not sure local citizens want to necessarily take one of their constables of maybe three in a town and put them on a roadblock. Like
0: okay, that. you also made the point on yesterday's show that some you would look at some of the stats on interpro, interprovincial travel, and what did you find out? There wasn't a lot of people going across the border. It's been anyway.
1: consistent since day one. There's very few cases attributed to, very few infections attributed right, to interprovincial right. travel. There are some. And Alberta to be clear, Alberta right now is um per capita arguably the worst place in the world, um, even though the outcomes aren't as bad as India, but their their numbers are just extraordinarily high of COVID-19, but that doesn't mean they're bringing it into BC. Nevertheless, it's it's, it's a valid concern, but it's easier said than done to patrol the Alberta border. Far easier
0: to patrol around Metro Vancouver because there's just that many more police officers. Okay, speaking of the BC Center for Disease Control and the amount of information that they put out, or in this case, not, not released to the public, a really good reporting by the Vancouver Sun, who got a hold of a couple of leaked uh, mm-hmm. internal reports from the BC Center of Disease Control that were not made generally yep. available to the public and it included information that was a lot more detailed and granular, like going down to neighborhoods where COVID is spreading in individual neighborhoods. Yeah. This I, is information not released to the public and very, it should it should be, shouldn't
1: it? Very frustrating. Absolutely should be made public. Yeah. Uh, it's been an ongoing battle to get data data from the beginning. It's it's gotten better than it was at the beginning. But the story by Nathan Griffiths in the Sun today, very good. Um, forty one one of the reports, forty eight page report it actually shows that Northwest Surrey and South Burnaby are arguably the worst hit areas right now on a couple fronts. A, the number of cases of COVID-19 and B, the low vaccination rate. So it's a double whammy there. That's why they're targeting these areas for vaccinations. It's a real, but this report shows that's a real concern. Also, Central Abbotsford is showing as again, low vaccination, but high incidence rate. And it's a problem. And there's no reason this can't be made public. Absolutely no reason.
0: There's absolutely none, no justification for not giving that information out. And I think it's been a deliberate suppression of this information that should be made public. And I remember speaking to Adrian Dix at the very start of this whole thing, and I know he said the same thing to you, is that the most important thing is to be straight, honest, tran- and fully transparent with the public tell them everything. Yeah. And that's not what they've done.
1: There's nothing explosive in this report. There's nothing oh, yeah. controversial. It's, it's, just, just it's, it's just public information. It should be. It's just. It should be public. It's just information. It's data. It doesn't. It doesn't um, put someone in a bad light or something. It's not critical. It just says this is what this is the situation. So why not make up? I mean, they do a ten-page um, uh, incidents report, situation report every week, which is great. The problem is it's only weekly. I don't know why it can't be more often than that. And this report shows there's a lot more data that they're collecting than not sharing with the public. And that's troubling.
0: Okay. That's a real bad look for, I think, for the BC Center for Disease Control. And yeah, really good report there in the Vancouver Sun that I, I recommend to you. Dr. Bonnie Henry speaking about, uh, speaking of one of the hot spots in Surrey. And she was asked about why not vaccinate everyone in Surrey? Here's what she had to say
1: it's a very different thing to target a community with hundreds of thousands of
0: people versus a
1: community with a few thousand people
0: okay Surrey's a huge city so can we can they do a targeted vaccination program there well
1: they are um, with mixed success it's they're not getting through to uh, part of the problem seems to be language some of its culture. Uh, they're not getting through it as many people as they like. It is being targeted. There,
0: each neighborhood has been identified. When you say language and culture, you mean people are being told to get the vaccine and they're not getting it? or
1: there, Well, you- they, there is a language barrier, uh, in, even though uh, the vaccination program has multi-languages. Yeah. It, it's tough to get through necessarily with uh, certain communities because of uh, a language barrier. The um, Center for Disease Control, um, I think, th- does a great job in trying to do this, but it is proving to be a challenge. And they're not getting the, the needles in the arms with enough people. Again, the information today in the Vancouver Sun in this report shows Northwest Surrey, not South Surrey, but Northwest Surrey and South Burnaby have a particular problem. There's low vaccination rate and high COVID-19 numbers and disproportionate to the rest of the province.
0: Is that an argument for localized clinics in those neighborhoods, maybe by postal code? Well, there are localized clinics, and mm-hmm. now we're going to have these kiosks set up as well. Uh, so there's a real effort on
1: in to to really boost the vaccination rates in those areas.
0: Well, this is the, what we saw with the pop up clinics. I mean, that was we were told that was the justification for the mm-hmm. pop up clinics. They were putting them into these hot neighborhoods.
1: Yep, and uh, but, again, they're, they're, whether you call them pop up kiosks or whatever, uh, there's effort stepping up to inoculate those. And we're seeing this, you know, um, as we get more vaccines in, B- in BC, and we're going to get a lot of vaccines. The strategy is going to change significantly. Yesterday, Fraser Health announced every grocery worker over the age of 18 qualified for a vaccine. You're going to see that now roll out to other sectors yeah. in, uh, on frontline workers. As we get more vaccines brought in, we're getting one point, almost 1.3 million this uh, month. We'll get at least that next month, likely way more than that and that means it'll go well beyond the age-based rollout.
0: Okay, here's Bonnie Henry commenting on a topic that I'm quite interested in, and I think you are too, because both of us received the AstraZeneca first dose, like a lot of people did, and yet we don't have any more AstraZeneca mm-hmm. vaccine right now. So I'm left wondering, well, how, what will will I get an AstraZeneca shot for my booster shot, or can they give me a different vaccine? Mm-hmm. And here she, was, here she is talking about mixing and matching vaccines for a booster shot.
1: So it may be an advantage to have one of each of the types of vaccines that we have available now. But we don't know the answer to that yet. So we are watching those things very carefully. We have studies here in Canada that people in BC are taking part on. But the one that's farthest ahead is the one we've talked about in the UK. So we will be receiving some data, we hope, from that um, by the end of May as what it's looking like. So that will help us understand whether there's any advantages or disadvantages your thoughts? Well, we got 317,000 317, people in BC got AstraZeneca shots, including you, me, and a bunch of our uh, colleagues at Global. That's what we opt to do. I have absolutely no problem with getting AstraZeneca, but will our second shot be AstraZeneca? That's not guaranteed. We don't know if we're going to get more or when we're going to get more AstraZeneca. We likely will, yeah. but much of it is made in India, and right now India is in a horrible situation, so they're you're keeping a lot of the AstraZeneca back but we may get some of that over the summer. So you and I may end up getting Pfizer or Moderna or Janssen as our second dose.
0: Okay. In our previous segment, Keith, I talked to a University of Ottawa professor about the idea around mandatory vaccines on college and university campuses in Canada. We see a trend in that direction in the United States. Amir Adiran was the, the guest I was speaking to, and he made a very forceful argument in favor of mandatory vaccines in Canada on college campuses. And our, our phone board just exploded on that. on With people with uh, strong opinions on both sides of it. Bonnie Henry this week, has basically kind of said that she doesn't like that idea. No. She doesn't like the mandatory vaccine idea.
1: Yeah. Uh, a lot of public health uh, f- officers actually don't like mandatory vaccines for a number of reasons. But uh, but she did say internationally, that's um, basically going to be the, the way of the future. You're, you're going to need a, a vaccine. Well, for international pack, travel, international the travel. question
0: is, would it apply domestically like they're doing in other countries, like notably Israel?
1: So far, no. But yeah. like I say, everything's open to change.
0: Alright, Keith Baldry is my guest. It's Baldry's Beat. Phone lines are open. 604-280-9898, star 9898 on yourself. Val calling from the Tri-Cities. Hi, Val. Hi, guys. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. I'm, I'm just calling. I've had my, uh, my husband and I have had our Pfizer shots five weeks ago. Um, and I'm wondering now, for my second, or for our second, do we have to register in order to be notified or will we be notified because we've already had our first shot
1: Keith yeah I think you're going to be notified if you if you got AstraZeneca you're going to have to re-register because you got that through a pharmacy but I think you're now in the system so you should be notified we
0: did get Pfizer and uh, no trouble at all and uh great
1: great uh, to hear yeah
0: so Uh, so you're suggesting that I probably we probably do not have to re-register
1: that's my understanding. Now, it's a, there's a chance, a good chance, you're going to get your second dose before four months is up. If, well, if the contracts are honored by Pfizer and Moderna, we should have enough vaccines. Even with the uh, inclusion of the 12 year olds to 17 year olds now, we should have enough vaccines. And Dr. Monte Henders made this point to move up that four month um, interval.
0: Yeah, I sure hope so because I know all of us would like our lives back. Yes. <laughs> yeah, all, all of us would feel the same way. Thank you, Val, for the okay. call. Uh, I appreciate it. It's Sean in New West. Hey, Sean. Hey, so what about the people who are skeptical about taking a vaccine
1: when they find out that their government is withholding data that could justify their reasons for doubting it? And all in the meantime, we're supposed to take a vaccine and then oh, maybe yeah, just take a different kind of vaccine for your next booster and maybe it'll help. Now, and what I see is, it's an experiment on the whole human
0: race. Where if everybody's cross, um, yeah. Okay, I think uh, I get. I think I get your point. First of all, no. the,
1: the data in the report has nothing to do with whether or not you get a vaccine or not. It's got nothing to do. But
0: with I guess with it. The, I, I think he made an interesting point though that when we see reporting like we see in the Vancouver Sun with leaked reports from the BC Center for Disease Control that they've got a lot more detailed information they have not released to the public. Does that run the risk of just kind of reinforcing any kind of skepticism, fears, doubts well, that people, people have already, about this? People who already are skeptical. That's why they should put the information out. It should, but I don't think the
1: real hardcore anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, this information isn't going to change their mind whatsoever.
0: And as for the mixing and matching of a booster shot, like you heard Bonnie Henry say there, this is something that's being studied, right? Like they haven't they haven't approved this in, yet. In the UK, there's a lot of
1: studies going on so far. The initial science is encouraging on this. I think we will get to a mixed
0: uh, vaccine th- uh, system, but we're not there yet. Okay, I so still got open phone line 604 280 9898 is the number to call. Star 9898, toll free in your cell. Dwight in Kelowna. Hiya, Dwight. Hey, how are you? Good, go ahead.
1: Good. Um, I struggle with the road road checks. Uh, I get it, and uh, I'm like 98% of the people that follow all the requests to try and work together. But uh, RCMP at the road checks, are they at the uh, ferries? Are RCMP at the airports? Are we foisting that responsibility to people that aren't going to write tickets and aren't going to uh, really put up a, a defense, nor should they? Mm-hmm. Um, I, and there's been no real, anybody that's tr- uh, really violated the rules, i.e. the, the party house in downtown Vancouver, the, the penalties are so ridiculous that there's no incentive to people to try and cooperate. But I really struggle with the road checks. And like we had an anti-masker protest here last week, somebody from Ontario. Bigger problem we have, free travel, uh, support things that don't do what we're trying to accomplish and they get away scot free. I, I, I think it's just okay. a bit of a travesty.
0: Dwight, thanks for the call.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think the public's really on the side of more onerous penalties and enforcement of scoff laws. Um, we haven't seen a lot of that. Even the Mounties, uh, you heard the clip from our, the constable there. The, the roadblocks aren't about giving people tickets so much as educating them and that's not going to result in a lot of penalties well
0: it's, he voices kind of a common complaint though that i've heard a lot that a lot of people will see raves going on on the beaches of vancouver and the police just sort of standing and watching no one being ticketed or few people being ticketed people breaking the rules with no consequences yeah but you're going to stop me at a roadblock and say i can't go camping mm-hmm. with, with my family and, and, I, and I, under, I understand and appreciate that but it's kind of like you know, the police have made the argument that, well, and, and you just repeated it, that it's kind of a, a public relations effort in a lot of ways, too, to just dissuade people. Yeah, from and driving. They, don't,
1: they don't want confrontation. That's the other thing that's driving this.
0: Yeah, Let's go to Steve on the line in Vancouver. Hey, Steve, we've got a minute left here. Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Two, observa- two things. Well, one's an observation. I got the AstraZeneca vaccine, and there seems to be almost like vaccine shaming going on out there. There's all the smart people that are waiting for the next one, the Pfizer or whatever, and, and it's just weird. They, uh, yeah, I just feel like, you know, I, and I've been approached about it a few times. Like, why did you go for that one? I go, well, because it was the first one I got. It was yeah. easy to get, and I'm, I'm vaccinated. So that's the first thing. And the other thing is if E-Division is so big and they got so many people standing around, why can't they have
1: someone stand, standing around at the Alberta border? Apparently there's some hotel rooms available, <laughs> you know uh, in the crows nest pass
0: wow. yeah and
1: yeah. Uh, you know in okay Vance. thanks thanks for the call 30 seconds. i was surprised watching john Waugh's report last night i counted eight or nine uh, patrol cars at that one border. really do you really need that many to to check what was really no traffic it was it was quite interesting to see that much resources put into those uh, that one road stop one, uh, and again probably the same for the other three